بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد الحمد لله we are in the second of our sittings in relation to this topic of rectification of the home and in our previous sitting we were discussing <clears throat> broadly some of the points of the importance of rectification of the home why it's important that the home is rectified <coughs> and in general and in general what we understood from this is that the one that rectifies the home the individual that rectifies their home then <clears throat> This home upon its tikama, this home which is upon righteousness and that is upright, will <clears throat> contribute to a society which is righteous and upright. And uh, we mentioned yes uh, last week that the people, if they truly wish to live within a society, a society which is upright and a society which is in accordance with the Sharia of Allah Taala then upon them is to begin with their own selves. Begin with their own selves as individuals. And seek to rectify their own affairs. For indeed, no doubt, <coughs> society is made up of individuals. And once a person is able to rectify their own selves, or is upon the way, upon the path of rectifying their own selves, then no doubt they, they, go, they set about rectifying their families. And rectifying their households. For again, the households are small parts that make up society as a whole. And so this is what we discussed previously in relation to the just the importance of these, these topics and as an introduction to what we will be discussing today and in further sittings, inshallah ta'ala. As for today, <clears throat> then the intent is to discuss the affair of the haqq of the zawja al azawj so the right that the wife has upon her husband and so the shaykh begins by mentioning the hadith of the nabi alayhi salatu wassalam but the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentions ala inna lakum ala nisa'ikum haqqa wa li nisa'ikum alaykum haqqa fa amma haqqa أما حقكم على نسائكم فلا يتئن فروشكم من تكرهون ولا يأذن في بيوتكم لمن تكرهون أو أو ألا وحقهم عليكم أن تسنوا إليهن كسوتهن وتعامهن. and so the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he mentions, beginning with this narration, we mentioned in this narration, that indeed, for you are rights, or are due right upon your wives. And, your wives have due right upon you. As for the rights, or the right that you have upon your wives, is that they do not allow the one that you're displeased with or the one that, that you're unhappy with, you dislike, to tread upon your furnishings, right? to enter your home and be upon your furnishings. Nor do they permit the one that you, that you dislike to enter your home. And their rights that they have <coughs> upon you is that you treat them well, that you, are, you, are, you treat them well and deal with them well by way of clothing them and feeding them. And so this narration, this narration which is found in Sunnah Al-Tirmidhi and Shaykh Al-Bani, declared it to be a narration which is Hassan. This narration here is a clear indication and it sets out that generally speaking there are rights that are established amongst the spouses. There are rights which are established amongst the spouses, there are rights which are established for the husband, and rights which are established for the wife. 
And likewise, you have the statement of Allah Tabarakahu Taala, where He states, "Wa'ashiruhunna bil ma'roof," and live with them in good. I the command of Allah Taala to live with your spouses in good. Likewise, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in his Khutbah Al-Wada' his farewell sermon during the Hajjat Al-Wada' during the, the farewell Hajj on Yom Al-Arafah where he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was advising the Muslims generally. And from the advices that he gave Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was his statement, اِتَّقُوا اللَّهَ فِي نِسَاءِ and fear Allah in relation to the Nisa, in relation to the women. I fear Allah in terms of how you deal and treat with, treat the women. So Allah Ta'ala has informed us with this affair of the hukuk, the rights of the wife and the woman. And it is to deal with them well, by way of general statement, أَشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And deal with them and treat them well. And Ibn Kathir mentions, Rahimahullah, I mentioned to this ayah, أي طيبوا أقوالكم لهم وحسنوا أفعالهم وهيئتكم بحسب قدرتكم بحسب قدرتكم كما تحب ذلك منها فأفعل أنت بها مفلوه and so, Ibn Kathir, he mentions in relation to this ayah, and what we understand from this ayah in more detail, I to live with them in good, I be good to them in your speech. I your speech towards them be good. And be good in terms of your actions and your treatment with them. Yani according to your ability, in accordance with your ability. Just as you would want that from them. So do that in the like manner. So just as we require as husbands and we wish for our wives to speak to us in a good manner. And we wish for our wives to deal with us in a good manner. Then upon us it's the same. Upon us it's the same in terms of our dealings with them. And so we understand for ma'aruf the maqsood. The intent with the word ma'aruf here is kull khayr bima ta'aruf alayhi nas So this affair of ma'aruf is referring to all forms of good which we know people to deal and treat each other with. Na'am bima la yukhalaf al-shara'allah as long as it does not Oppose the Sharia of Allah Tabarakhu Ta'ala. So you understand from this that it's an affair of living and treating them well and treating our wives well is in accordance with the Sharia of Allah Tabarakhu Ta'ala. And no doubt this begins by taking the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The example of Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. For indeed, no doubt, we've been commanded to take him as an example. Which Allah Ta'ala mentions. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رُسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That indeed for you, with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is a good example. And we have the narration of Aisha radiallahu anha. Where the Nabi, the Prophet sallallahu stated, خيركم خيركم The best of you are those who are best to your families. And so he sallallahu no doubt was the best to his family. As is narrated by Aisha anha. And so from the akhlaq of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu I found that the, the dealings with the Nabi his mannerisms is that he would beautify the manner in which he lived amongst his wives. 
and that he will constantly be one that was speaking of good amongst his wives and had kindness towards them and would, and would strive by way of spending for them and no doubt engage with humor with them alayhi salatu And so all of this, as the Shaykh mentions, كُلَّ ذَلِكَ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ حِرْسِ الْإِسْلَامِ وَحَثَّهُ عَلَىٰ الْإِشْرَةِ الْحَسَنَةِ عَلَىٰ إِشْرَةِ الْحَسَنَةِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ لِهَذِهِ الْمَرْأَةِ الَّتِي جَاءَتْ وَتَرَقَتْ أَهْلُهَا And so all of that is a delil. All of that is a proof of the fact that Islam safeguards this affair and, and encourages this affair of living with the spouse in good for indeed no doubt this woman has come to your home and has left her family she's left her home and now she is living with you Just as the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions by way of his statement, فَإِنَّمَا هُنَّ عِنْدَكُمْ That indeed they, referring to the Nisa, the women, are captives or those that are living within you or within your homes. And they're living within your homes. فَيَنْبَغِي So it's a must. عَلَيْكَ أَنْ تُحْسِنْ الْعِشْرَ لِهَذَا الْأَصِيرَ أَلَتِيْفِ بَيْتِكَ And so it's a master, an individual. He is good in terms of his dealings and his, uh, well, his treatment of the woman that lives within his home. وَكَانَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ حُسْنْ إشرته أنه كان ينادي نساءه بأحب الأسماء إليهن. And so from the good dealings that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would have with his women, like with his wives, is that he would call them and refer to them by the names that were beloved to them. For example, when it came to his wife Aisha radiallahu anha, it's mentioned that he would refer to her as Ya Aish. Ya Aish which is found in the narration in the Sahih Bukhari and so this is the mawqif this is the position of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when it comes to dealing with his families and what we understand in general is that from the ru'us from the head of the rights of the husband or the rights of the wife rather upon the husband is how he should deal with her and treat her in good and be the best of individuals towards his family and not be from those that fall short in that regard and so these are her general this is the general the rights in general in terms of the hukuk and the rights of the wife from the rights as well. So this is that's the that's the affair of the, in general that he, he lives with her in good. I make, as mentioned within the ta'aya wa ashuhunna bil ma'roof as well as the hadith na'am the best of you the, or those who are best of your families. Na'am. This, this is what we, we understand in general that you, you live with them in good. That you live with the family members in good. As for the rights which we refer to now specific rights then the first of them <coughs> is what is found in the Sharia by way of giving the wife and the woman her mahar, her dowry. As mentioned, So the aqd al-nikah, the marriage contract is not and cannot be concluded and completed except 
if there's a mahar which is present. Naam, and this mahar, haq khalish al mar'ah. And this mahar is specifically the right of the mar'ah, the woman. Now, as opposed to what you may find in some cultures, and what you may find with some uh, beliefs which have become popular beliefs, that the prospective guru, the prospective husband, he's paying the mahar for the wife and her family. So that money is due not only to the woman, but it's due to the family of the woman. Now, to the extent you hear stories where the father, the father of a woman, Allah Yahdi, he will calculate how much he spent on his daughter over the years. I bought her clothes this year, I bought her this this year, I bought this, I bought this. And he adds it all up together. And he says, okay, this is the mahar. As he expecting a recompense in that regard. Naam. This is the, the reality is that the woman is not a sila'a. The woman is not a commodity which is bought and sold. And you don't just do your you don't just do the sums in relation to how much you spent upon your daughter, if it's your daughter, Mafalan, to try and gain that back in recompense or to gain that back as an expense. No, it's not tax returns. No, these are our daughters. These are our, these are our, our offspring, and this, this is the, generally this is the rights upon us as fathers. The rights upon us as fathers is to spend on our children. And so, as mentioned, it's a case of that wealth and that money is given to her as her right. And this is from the first thing mentioned from the rights. As Allah Taala mentions, and give to the women their wealth or their money as a gift. Naam. And so Allah Ta'ala referred to it as the sadaqat. As a fair of sadaqah. It's an ibadah. And he Ta'ala also refers to it as a nihla, as a gift. Naam. Again, going back to the point you just mentioned, it's no nowhere is it mentioned that it is a reimbursement for someone that has spent on the on the woman before. Rather, it is a gift for her, and it's her from her rights, and it's, it's the the first right that she attains when getting married. And a tabri, he mentions in his tafsir of the ayah. And so he mentions that giving the, the mahar is given or the mahar is given to her as a gift, an obligatory gift. Naam, an obligatory gift which is binding. Naam. And thereafter. You have to mention as well that Allah has prohibited that this money be taken from her. The money be taken, the mahar be taken from her. Without due right. And the money be taken from her. As Allah states, And it's not permissible for you to take from her that which has been given to her, of that which you have given to her. And this is the, this is the actual sum of the Rijal. La Allah. Do not fear Allah, and so thus they oppress the woman. For indeed, what you find is that if they were to divorce her, that they embark upon and they strive to take the mahar back off of her. They try to take the mahar back off of her. However, no doubt if the man has divorced the woman, then it is her right to, to hold on to the mahar. And likewise, the Sheikh mentions here, 
وبعض الآباء يجعلون ابنته ويجعلون ابنته كسلعة يتاجر بها and you may find that some of the fathers they make their daughters as a silah and they make their or the place of daughters as a commodity which they trade with and they have for commerce and they have for business and so due to that they raise the amount that is expected for the mahar so that he may take what he wants from that mahar or that he may take the majority of it they may take the majority of that of that wealth and so then he lives leaves a little amount or a spare change if you like for his wife for his daughter rather so this is what you find that an individual will raise the amount that is requested for the mahar and it becomes amounts which are may become amounts which are oppressive and difficult but it's not so that his daughter can take all of that wealth and have it for herself. Rather, if it was with the intent that that money be taken by him, and he takes the majority of that money, and he, leaves, and he may leave a small amount for her. But this is khilaf, this is something which opposes the guidance of the Prophet for indeed he stated that the best nikah, the best marriage is the one which is of ease, the easiest. And likewise as well, he mentions that the best of the mahar is the easiest of them. And so this is the, the guidance of the Messenger of Allah so no doubt the mahar is the right of the woman and it's the first right of the woman. However, it should not be an amount which has now which now brings upon the individual difficulty. No doubt when it comes to the mahar, it can be understood that it's nisbi. It's all relative. For example, if you ask mahar for one individual hundred pounds, no problem. Another individual, hundred pounds, is, is going to is going to leave him bankrupt, maybe. Um, for example, so it's all something which is uh, relative. Hence, why when we look at narrations such as these, where it states the best nikah or the best of the mahar is the one which is the easiest, then what we consider to be the easiest is the is the mahar which is uh, easy for that individual specifically. Now, for him specifically. And so this is what no doubt brings about khayr in this affair of the marriage. Why? Because first and foremost, the man, he has given and he's given the woman her first rights in the marriage. And given her this gift that she is uh, entitled to. And so he's given her this right. Likewise, the man does not feel haraj or any degree of hardship upon him due to the fact that he hasn't Yani fallen into hardship by giving that money, that money. And this is why doing so in accordance with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is from the best and the means, the best means in order to do so. Thereafter, now we have the mentioning of the next right, which I believe is the second we mentioned now. That from the rights of the wife or the woman is that she is corrected and taught and disciplined. And so on the face of it, some people will be saying that this is from the rights of the husband. Upon the wife. Now, the rights of the husband upon the wife is that he has the right to uh, discipline or he has the right to correct her. Now, it's the face of it. But why is this mentioned amongst the rights of the wife? 
Why? It's for her benefit. It's for her benefit. Because first and foremost, what we understand, first, first and foremost, what we understand from this affair of marriage, yani, and nikah, al-Islami, Islamic marriage, is that we intend to marry this individual so that we may aid one another in getting closer to Allah. And we may aid one another in, in terms of ultimately attaining Jannah. And so from the rights of the wife, is that she's able, she's able, or the husband, corrects her. And doesn't allow her to go astray. And fall into a siyan, and fall into different actions of disobedience. Whether it be disobedience directly to him, or disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it's upon, the, it's upon the fact that the man... He and the husband, he is the one that establishes this right, establishes this right for his wife in uh, advising her and correcting her. Allah Ta'ala mentions, Subhanallah. And so, Allah Ta'ala mentions that the men have or, or have standing or have a standing over the women or have authority over the women by that which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has given virtue of some over others and by way of that which Allah Tabarakwa Ta'ala or by way of that which they spend from their wealth rather. So the men, they are the ones that have authority in the household. Now, and this is the reality. The men have authority in the household and they are leaders of the household. But it's not a case where the man says that I'm a leader but he does not lead. Or he is a leader and he understands that he's a leader but he does not understand why he's been given that mansab, that, that position within the home. He's been in that position with the home. Why? Because first and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained that for him. Allah, Allah has given him that fadl. Naam, by way of his hikmah. And no doubt, Allah ta'ala is alim al-hakim. He's all-knowing and he's the most wise. This is the first thing. And there's no one or nothing that can tell you other than that. So anything which is, which opposes that and tells you or tries to inform you that no, we are equals within the home or the wife can leave the home. And this is no doubt in the opposition to what Allah has ordained for the household. That's the first thing. The second is that the man has been given his authority due to the fact that he is the one that spends from his wealth in order to uphold that household. It's, his, it's the obligation upon him to spend from his wealth to uphold the household. And so thus he's given that authority. And so because he's been given that authority upon him is to establish this affair of correcting those within the household, correcting those that are under the authority of the household, whether that be the wife, whether that be the children as well. Upon him is to correct those individuals so that household may be upon al-istiqama, be upon that which is upright. The household may be upon that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Now, <clears throat> thereafter, we have some of the, the, uh, the mention of some of the other rights. And from the other rights of the household, likewise, is that the husband feeds and spends in the way of his wife. For indeed, this leads to living with one another in good. And 
if, for example, as well, as mentioned, the husband was to strike the wife when it comes to correcting her and the discipline that he does not strike the face. For indeed, striking the face and leaving marks is something which is manhi and amuman, something which is uh, prohibited in general. Whether it be the wife, whether it be the child, or other than them. So this is from the right, the, the, the next right that the wife mentioned, which is the third. No? The fourth, which we mention here, is la tukabbih. Yeah, la tukabbih, meaning do not mention something from the characteristics of the wife that are regarded as being a negative or disfigurement, of disfigurement. For indeed, this is something which is prohibited. So no doubt if a person sees something from his wife's maybe appearance that may be regarded as being negative. He does not mention it. For indeed, this is again, this is something which is prohibited. And this is something that will bring about separation, called separation between the spouses. Thereafter as well, the fourth is that the man la tahjur illa fil bayt. You do not abandon the wife except within the home. <coughs> so if, for example, some form of khilaf, difference occurs, and dispute occurs, then it does not mean that the man leaves the home. So he may leave the bed, however may leave the bed without leaving the home. And so, what we understand from these, these things I just mentioned, first and foremost, is that the best nafaka, the best form of spending for the Muslim, is that which the man spends upon his children and upon his wife. Why? Because he's made jump between two affairs within that. If a man spends upon his children, and he spends upon his wife, then he has given sadaqah, as well as he has aided the affair of the silat al-rahm. He's aided the affair of keeping of the family ties. And so, he is combined between two affairs of good. And so he is spent from his wealth and joined together and, and included this affair of keeping of the family ties. For Jamal bin Khairain. Now, <clears throat> and so this is the affair of spending the wealth and giving for the sake of Allah Taala. Next from the rights I mentioned, Adam is shagal al kulli anha wa yadkhul fi dalik haqqul mabit wa haqqul ishra wa haqqul wat'i. And so it's a must that the person does not busy himself in totality away from his wife. So that the person becomes so busy that he's not able to spend any time with his wife. And spend time with his wife, and this is by way of living with her in good, the haq of living with her in good, and staying with her in good, and also the haq, the right of marital relations. And this is found within the narration of uh, uh, the advice given to Abu Darda by Salman al Farsi. For Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, he would stand in prayer for the whole night. And he would fast for the whole day. And so then he had no portion of his day or no portion of his life for his family. And so 
مسلمان الفارسي saw this or saw the effect upon this upon the wife of Abu Darda, the Um Darda, and he asked, "What is your affair, Um Darda? What is the affair with you? Why or why do you appear so?" And so she mentions, "Akhuk Abu Darda, ليس له حاجة في الدنيا." That Abu Darda, your brother Abu Darda, doesn't have doesn't have any need for the affair of the dunya. I, what is meant by this, and what she meant by this, is that he was only busy with the akhirah. And this was a further or, or a insinuation to the fact that he had fallen short in relation to the rights of his family. Now, he was busy with affairs of the akhirah, however, it caused him to fall short in relation to the rights of his family. So Salman Anhu approached Abu Darda and he directed him and advised him with the iftar He advised him with the affair of breaking his fast for that day. Fakal inni sa'im. But he stated indeed I am fasting. فَأَمْرُهُ أَنْ And so he, however, he commanded him to break the fast. فَلَمَّا جَاءَ اللَّيْلِ أَمْرُهُ بِالنَّوْمِ ثُمَّ أَرَادَ قَالَ نَمْ قَالَ قال الآن فقم فقام فصلي ثم قال إن لأهلك عليك حق ولزوجك عليك حق ولولدك حق عليك حق ولبدنك عليك حق فأعطي كل ذي حق حقه and so he commanded him and advised him advised Abu Darda to go to sleep. And he stated that I want to stand. I want to stand in Salah. He invited him to go to sleep. Even if it's for a third of the night. And this, thus after that, he stated, and now, now stand in Salah. And so they both stood in Salah and prayed the Salah of the Lane. Thereafter, he stated to him, Indeed, your family upon you has a right. And your wife, your spouse has a right upon you. And your child has a right upon you. And your body has a right upon you. So, so give everything that has due rights its specific rights. And so, they inform the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about this. And he, alayhi salatu wasalam, mentions Sadaqa Salman. That Salman has spoken the truth. He was correct in this regard. I let you give everything is due right. And so in relation to this, a person has not become overly busied with the affair of, or overly busied away from his family. If we reflect upon this narration here, Barakallahu Fikum. This relation of, of, Abu, of Abu Darda was an example of Al-Abd ibn Ibadillah, yani in this case a Sahabi, that was busied with Ibadah. However, he was corrected and advised due to the fact that he was not giving the family and the wife their due rights. But, what we reflect upon here is that he was busy with ibadah and he was still advised with that. So what about the individual that is busy with the dunya? The individual, he's busy with the dunya, he works many hours, except he doesn't see his family. He's always at work, he's always in this place, he's always in that place. 
He's always busy with friends or maybe other family members. And he doesn't spend time and give his family due rights. No doubt in relation to that, then we say that this is even more prevalent. That everything in the mystery has to be given its due rights. In this narration, this companion was busying himself with ibadah. Busying himself with the fasting during the day. Busying himself with the qiyam during the night. Standing in the salah during the night. And thus he was advised with that. So then what about the individual that in reality is busying himself with dunya? No doubt in Bab Ola, he has to look at his priorities. It was about saying that he has to look at his priorities and readjust his priorities and readjust that which is that which is required from him. Now the next right for the rights of the wife is that you do not look and regard your wife as being one which is perfect, having perfection. For indeed, an individual will not find a wife which is perfect, except for the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given rahmah, or Allah ta'ala has paid rahmah for. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is informed us of the good manners and the righteous manners. And so, no doubt, we seek this from our wives and these good manners. However, we do not expect perfection. And so, we do not expect that we are constantly finding fault with them. And due to the fact that no doubt you're going to find faults. So what is this what this is no doubt is a generally is generally an encouragement for the husbands to overlook that which they see from faults of their wives. And no doubt you can make German, you can combine, you can harmonize between the two. The previously mentioned right of the husband correcting the wife. <coughs> the husband correcting the wife. As well as this right where the husband overlooks certain affairs. For no doubt, not everything may need to be corrected at, there, at that point there and then. For indeed, maybe it's upon the husband to correct the wife in the particular affairs because it's for her maslah, it's for her benefit. It's for, it's for her benefit in the dunya and the akhirah. But he may see characteristics from her that he may not like himself. Or he may see things from her that he may not like himself. It does not now mean, does not necessitate that he, at every point, seeks to find her fault or faults in whatever she's doing or she's saying. So it's upon him to, guide, to to combine between the two. Hence where you find the narration of the rib. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam compares the woman to the rib, to the crooked whip, to the crooked rib. To the extent that it is not that the, the mu'amala with the wife or the dealing with the wife and the treatment towards the wife is not one where the man is constantly seeking to straighten that rib. It's impossible. The rib will break. So it's not a case of that he's constantly seeking to follow her akhtar, yani follow up and find fault in whatever she's doing and everything, whatever she's saying. Likewise as well, he does not leave it to remain crooked or leave it without seeking to rectify no doubt he has to rectify his wife at times. This is something from her rights as well, as we mentioned previously. So it's upon the individual, no doubt, to be balanced in that regard. It's upon the husband to be balanced in that regard. 
The next right, which uh, links to this, is that the husband looks towards those characteristics that he loves and likes within his wife. As is mentioned in the narration, La yafruq mu'minun mu'minatun. I hate that a believing man should not hate a believing woman. And thereafter, the Messenger of Allah mentions, إِذَا كَرِحَ مِنْهَا خُلُقًا رَضِيَ آخَرًا If he dislikes a particular mannerism from her, then he'll be pleased with another. So if he likes or dislikes a particular characteristic from her, then no doubt... He'll be pleased with another characteristic. So this characteristic from her that he dislikes, it should not be upon him to focus upon that characteristic. And that he is from those that look at, for example, he focuses on the selbiyat of anything. Generally as a Muslim, we should not focus on the selbiyat. We should not focus upon the negatives. So if we're in a particular scenario, and there are positives to take, we take those positives. And we focus upon the positives and we try to build upon the positives. If there are negatives, maybe we may need to rectify those negatives. But in relation to this affair here, of our dealing and our, the treatment of our wives, there may be characteristics you may see from her that you dislike. But what the advice here from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is, I do not allow it to be something that causes you to hate her. Do not allow that to cause you to hate her. Likewise, that not only do you not allow it to cause you to hate her, but rather you do not make your concentration upon that as well. Cause yourself to concentrate upon that particular characteristic. Rather, your concentration should be upon that characteristic that you do like from her. For one characteristic you find of her that you dislike, the message of Allah وسلم, mentions that you will find a characteristic from her that you do like. And that's where your tarqis should be. That's where your concentration should be. And that's what your focus should be upon. That kind of thing that you like from her. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. And what we understand from this as well is that the person does not just look at the akhta of the woman. The husband does not just look at the errors of his wife. But no doubt, she's from Ben Adam. She's from the children of Adam. So no doubt she's going to have errors. She's not going to be perfect. She's from the children of Adam. So she's gonna she's gonna be erroneous in particular affairs, but he does not focus upon those errors. However, he looks to those he looks towards those things that are from the mahasin and those good characteristics that she has, and focuses upon those good characteristics. After that, the next right that the wife has upon her husband, and which brings about. Now brings about uh, harmony between the two, and it's linked again to this: is that the individual does not constantly look for her errors, or look for her slips, and look for opportunities to make inkar of her, I to refute her wife, or speak ill of the wife. He does not look. He does not look out for these these particular things. For indeed, no doubt, this particular akhlaq, this particular mannerism of looking out for the akhtar of the wife, looking out for the, the errors that the wife may have, this particular mannerism of dealing is something which will bring about breakage of the good living and the good living that you may have with them. So do not look at the jalab and say, ad faqat. Do not look at the evil or the, the, the bad that you may see from them only. Naam. Rather, the Muslim is salih. The Muslim, generally speaking, is upright. So if you're married to a Muslimah, the husband is married to a Muslimah, then he looks for those which are from, or looks for those characteristics which are prevalent within her, which, are, which make her from those or make, which make her from the salihat. And he does not search for the errors. 
Because no doubt, if you search for the errors, you'll find them. If you search for the errors, you will find them because you're searching for the errors of someone from Bani Adam. And this is not from the adab of the Muslimin. Searching and looking for the errors of anyone. So if you understand as well, first and foremost, that we do not search for the errors of our brothers. And we do not look and seek to find errors of our brothers. Then again, as well as, well as that, you do not seek to find that within your spouse. Seeking errors within your brothers, no doubt, will, ha- will harm the akhuwa, would harm brotherhood. If you seek the errors with your brother and you say, this is the error that you have for land. And I've noticed that you do this as well for land. And for land, I think you are upon this and whatever else. Now, no doubt, from our deen is nasiha. Yeah, you should seek advice. But to seek advice is something, if you come across something, which is in opposition to the haq. And that you, with the intent of wanting good, of wanting good for them, you advise them with that good. Again, this is nasiha. This is to say advice. As for, you look at the individual first. And then you look, you say, for example, you know that you feel like there's an error of this individual. I need to find the error. This is something else. And you ask this one, you ask that one about the errors of the Fulan and so and so. And you make efforts to find the errors of the individual. Now, once this occurs, this harms brotherhood. And harms the bonds of brotherhood. So if that's the case when it comes to brothers amongst brothers or sisters amongst sisters, then how will it be when it comes to the spouses? This is the person you, you should be living, you, you're, you're expected to live with on a regular basis. But when you're living with them, all you're doing is looking for the faults that they may have. And point out the faults they may have. Or asking others about the faults that they may have. Again, this will harm that relationship between the two spouses. Now, thereafter, the next rights related to the rights that I mentioned is that you enjoy the good and forbid the evil. This is linked to what we mentioned previously about rectifying them and what we mentioned previously about uh, um, now rectifying them and giving ta'adeel with them when it comes to this affair of disciplining as well. This is from enjoying the good and forbidding the evil. For the message of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentions, kullukum ra'in, wa kullukum mas'ul, and ra'iyati. That all of you are shepherds, and all of you are mas'ul. All of you are uh, responsible for his flock. So it's a must that the person has al-ghira, al-shari'iyya, al-imra'atik. So it's a must that the person has that jealousy, for his wife. No doubt the jealousy that we are, we are all aware of is the jealousy that a man may have for his wife that he does not want any or his wife to have any uh, communication or any contact with um, um, someone that is Ajlabi and a foreign man, someone, a, a person that's not, uh, someone that is not mahram to them. That's something we all, we're all aware of. And Due to that ghira that we have as well, no doubt. And no doubt it's ghira which is Mahmoud. Ghira which is Mahmouda. Ghira Mahmouda, that we have this ghira. Or from the ghira that we, we as husbands, want our wives to, to not display their zina, their beautification, in outside the home. It's from the ghira of the husband. And they should have that. This may be from the, uh, the one which is referred to as the dayuf. Naam, where he doesn't have any, gives any importance to that jealousy that he has for his wife. But also from the ghira that he has for his wife, likewise, is that he is aware that he is responsible for her. And is due to that responsibility, he enjoins the good and forbids the evil with her. That he, if he sees that she must be upon some good, 
he enjoins that good upon her. And if he receives some evil from her, he forbids that evil from her. Again, all of these things is upon the individual to be balanced with these things. Now, if you come across something of good that she may do, then you advise her with that good. If you come across an evil that she may have fallen into, you advise her of that evil. This is in opposition to what we mentioned previously, where the individual is looking for the evil. Now, is looking for the fault. Not rather, he's enjoying the good and forbidding the evil. For indeed, this is from the Osaf and the Sifat of this Ummah. This is one of the distinguishing factors of this Ummah, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that they do enjoy the good and forbid the evil. So it's something which the ummah and the individuals, afraad, individuals from this ummah do anyway. They enjoy the good and they forbid the evil. So then when it comes to the relationship between the, the husband and the wife, then of course this, this is something which has to occur. Enjoying the good and forbidding the evil is something which has to occur. Now, Likewise, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala states, Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Now, save yourselves and your families from the fire. And no doubt this practice in, in terms of saving oneself and one's family from the fire is when they are enjoying the good and they are forbidding the evil with one another. They're enjoying the good and forbidding the evil of one another and in their dealings with one another. And this is something which is required from us. The next right the wife has upon the husband is the Adam Ifsha Sirriha wa dhikru ma yuduru baynaka wa baynaha fil firash or fi khilafata shaksiya. And so, likewise, from the hukuk, from the rights that the wife has, is that the individual does not spread her secrets. What is meant by spreading her secrets is that he does not make mention of that which occurs between you and her within the bedroom, I narrate uh, between marital relations is meant by that, as well as any forms of khilafat, yani, any form of differing and argumentation. They don't spread this. Because this asrar, these, are the, these affairs which are secret or secretive affairs, are meant to be from the home. I should not be spread. Not to your friend, Sadiqak, not to your parents. Your secret should remain between you two, between you and your wife. And due to that, the Prophet mentioned in a hadith narrated by Abi Sa'id al Khudri, radiallahu anhu. إن من الشر الناس إن الله منزلة اليوم القيامة الرجل يفتي إلى امرأتي وتفتي إلي ثم ينشر سرها. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentions that indeed from the most evil of people with Allah, which Allah Taala considers in their station يوم القيامة. <coughs> is a man that approaches his wife and the wife that thus approaches her husband I, in uh, terms of marital relations and thus he goes about and spreads her secrets for indeed no doubt between them as the sheriff mentioned in the explanation to this between them are more khasa or daqaiq or tafasil you're going to have specific things that occur between them. And no doubt as well, that which occurs between them are going to be with tafasil, with specifics and details. And so that which occurs between the husband and the wife in the night, 
the person should not spread that. I should not spread the secrets that which is found within the household. For indeed, these are from the most evil of individuals considered by Allah, Yom al Qiyamah. And this is not a masala of tafakhur. Yani I did this and I did that. No doubt, as we find from the af'al of the kuffar. From the af'al of the kuffar, no doubt, if you find that they may do or fall into particular actions and then boast about it. This is not an affair of boasting. That, that's, that which occurs between the husband and the wife is one which is specific to the husband and the wife. And so it's not a means for that individual to boast about it and speak about it to others. Rather, it should be kept to preserve that which is of the secrets of the family. And it should not be something that he discusses with others. The final of the rights which I mentioned of the, all these rights of the wife upon the husband is that the husband that has been given and that has been Allah Ta'ala has blessed the husband that Allah Ta'ala has blessed and provided with two wives or more and so he is a husband which is in a ta'addud, in a polygony. Then from the shurut of ta'addud, from the conditions of ta'addud, is that he was, that he remains steadfast when it comes to having al-adl, when it comes to having yani, rectification or justice between the wives, that he's just between his wives. And so if, if the individual in reality, he's not able to be just, or he fears, in his zulm, he fears that if he was to take another wife, that he'd be oppressive. Then we will say, this, which the Sheikh mentioned, then we say, then utuk amr, wa'adul anhu ila wahida. Then leave this affair alone. And remain with one. As for the one that has two, three, or four wives, then it's a must that he that he is just between them. That he's just when it comes to dividing his nights amongst them, and he does not oppress one over the other. And he stays, for example, he stays with the new wife. And he, does not, he doesn't stay anywhere except with his new wife. And he leaves off that which he considers to be his former or his, uh, his first wife. In her home, with the children. This is vum. This is oppressive. And so this is why the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, mentions, Man kanat lohim ra'atan. فَمَالَ إِلَىٰ إِهْدَهِمَا أو إلى مَالَ إِلَىٰ إِهْدَهُمَا جَاءَ يَوْمُ الْكِيَامَةِ وَشِقَّهُ مَعِلٌ يَظْهَرُ لِلنَّاسِ أَنَّ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ ظَالِمُ لِزَوْجَتِهِ وَظَالِمُ لِزَوْجَاتِهِ And so, the narration mentions that the one that has two wives, however, he leans towards one over the other so he gives preference to one over the other then he comes Yawm Al-Qiyamah whilst part of him is leaning or hanging loose I mean that one that his, his body is clearly disfigured and so it becomes clear for the people and clear to the people that are witnessing him Yawm Al-Qiyamah that he as an individual was a violent he as an individual was a zalim was an oppressor an oppressor in the dunya so it's a must that a person is steadfast when it comes to having good dealings when it comes to his wives 
and that he has adal, that he's an individual that is steadfast when it comes to justice amongst his wives. And what we understand from that that you do not fall into this affair of oppression when it comes to them. And that you do not fall short when it comes to their nights when staying with them. And that which is known for the Prophet wasallam is that each Asr he would pass upon, pass by his wives, checking upon their affairs and looking to what they may have from their needs. And looking to each one and see which each one may have from needs. As for staying with, with the one, or as for where he would stay that night, then he would stay with uh, each particular wife. For that particular night. Naam, and he would not give the night to another wife that is without her due right. And Allah Ta'ala knows best and knows. And that concludes the rights that we wanted to discuss today. And the rights of the wife upon her husband. And it's upon us, no doubt. I speak in first of all to myself and others that may be married or others that are looking to get married that we we look at these these particular affairs and these rights and we concentrate upon these rights because like any affair in the sharia we want to embark upon something we need to embark upon it upon ilm and basira we need to be upon a particular affair with real knowledge sincere, sincere and true knowledge knowledge which is based upon the kitab and the sunnah and so if we embark upon an affair in accordance with the book of the Sunnah, then inshallah, we may find success in that which we are doing. But if we embark upon an affair, upon yani jahl, then <coughs> this is what may lead to destruction and harm. And we seek Allah Ta'ala's aid in all of our affairs. Fajazakumullahu khaira. Wabarakallahu fikum. Wa sallallahu وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. إن شاء الله next week we'll go on to discuss the affair of the right of the husband upon his wife. والله أعلم بارك الله فيكم. استقم الله خير. صلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم.